Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hope everybody's doing well today. I want to welcome everybody to the Unimpressed podcast today. And today we have a very special guest on the show. Her name is Rita Giganti. She is the daughter or former mob boss of Vincent Giganti. And she is a psychic. She is a medium. Welcome, Rita. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, John. Really appreciate it. We spoke a little bit last week. And, you know, growing up in an Italian family and going through this personal journey, you know, what was that like when this started, you know, with the spirituality and so forth, being in a mob family? For me, because I grew up as an, an empath. And back then, you know, in 1970, 72, nobody knew what an empath was. Nobody knew in my family anyway, much about psychic stuff. Although my grandmother did have visions, I found out later on in life. But because I was an empath and an empath is someone who can feel everything, I was consistently picking up everybody's energy around me and it would create tremendous anxiety in my body. So I would uh, tend to have anxiety attacks, panic attacks, depression, OCD. Some of it was mine and some of it was not mine, but I couldn't differentiate at the time. My first anxiety attack, I was five years old. Part of it was not knowing what was going on in the life, right? Everything was hush-hush. Everything was a secret. Things were happening, you know, a lot when I was five years old because my father was rising up in the organization. But what do I know at five years old, right? I only know, I'm only hearing things. I'm witnessing some things, you know, that are, that are happening in that life, not understanding it. I'm watching my mom go through deep depressions and not understanding why. So... You know, this was an enormous task to take on as a five-year-old, trying to help my mother on top of it because I was very close to her. Mm -hmm. And we kind of enmeshed energies a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, I would almost take on her stuff and I actually would take on her stuff and then not not even know how to release it or, or get rid of it, but would just feel it in my body consistently. A lot of people don't realize spirituality and having some of these abilities is having high sensitivities. So if yes. you're growing up in a household with a lot of chaos, or I don't know what you would call it. Yeah, definitely chaos. And you don't know about these sensitivities. It's a learning process. A lot of people go the other direction, get on drugs or whatever, and they may never know who they are or find out. Yes. So it's a testament that you got through that. And you're here today. I am so grateful to Spirit for putting the people in my life, putting them in a, you know, and at each moment of the life that they needed to be there, uh, the positive energies, the, the, um, the people that helped me through um, to get me to this point. I had a lot of help, not just on the other side, but here. And um, it's completely grateful for that because I'm, I'm not, never used drugs, never, you know, didn't drink anything like that because I was the type of uh, energy that, already felt so many things. I didn't want to feel any different, you know? So I just, I kind of stayed away from all of that. And gratefully so, because it, it, you're right, it could have went in a very bad direction. Now you said your your father had a brother that had was very intense, right? My father had a brother that was very intense, yes. Yes, your father had a brother that was very intense. Do you think 
when you think about lineage, we'll kind of walk through this. Um, do you think he may have had high sensitivities, you know, and he didn't know what he had? No, because the kind of intenseness he had had more to do with the business that they were in. If he needed to take care of business, he was intense about it. You know, mm. it wasn't that kind of it wasn't that kind of thing. One of my sisters has the sensitivity like me. She and she's very she's very spiritual and she can, she feels a lot. Um, and so she understands like what what I mean when I say, you know, I, I can't really talk right now because I'm I'm feeling all of this stuff and I just need to kind of rest for a bit. Um, so she has the sensitivity. Nobody else that I know of, though, other than maybe my mom. Uh, had that kind of sensitivity. Now, your mom and dad came from Naples, right? My dad's mom came okay. from Naples. Um, she was young. A lot of people don't know this, but she came from a very wealthy family. They had servants. She was very well educated, and um, she was going to be a pharmacist. And and in in Italy back then, you were like uh, a pharmacist, but like a doctor, you know, as well. So she was going in that direction until my my uh, great grandfather committed suicide because he witnessed firsthand something that the Black Hand did, which in Italy that is the mafia. They called it the Black Hand, and so when he was approached by the Black Hand and said, "If you testify, we will kill you and your whole family," that's just how it was in Italy. So he knew exactly what to do, and he took what was called strychnine back then and it was like taking arsenic or you know um and he knew that if he took it he would pass so he took his own life to save his family unbeknownst to my grandmother she was going to come to the united states and then have to deal with that life all over again just in a different way now your grandmother yeah. what did she look like like face oh your typical yeah your typical structure. grandma really? yeah did she was your typical grandma she pulled her hair back she had that um you know I remember her always with white hair or salt and pepper hair, and she'd pull it back in a bun, you know. Uh -huh. She was always in a house dress and, and these shoes that uh, – she was so sweet. They, they had to cut a hole in her shoe in order for her foot to be able to fit in it because her toes uh, were like this, you know. Mm -hmm. she, and, and so she was your typical Italian grandmother. Mm -hmm. um, spoke, you know, Italian and broken English, um, but she, she mostly spoke italian now did she have the jawline like you do like the square um, jawline and so forth my my grandmother my my sister looks bears the resemblance of my grandmother people will say i have a combination of my mom and dad and me mm -hmm. but no she doesn't i i don't really look like her okay well it's i had we talked about i had a theory right and i i t spoke to this lady there's a restaurant opened up over here by the house and the, the people from rome italy and mm -hmm. i asked her I, I did some research after we talked and you know the egyptians there was some heavy egyptian influence in italy mm -hmm. and i have a theory that all the egyptians in the world became the indigenous people, right? Mm -hmm. But you think about your lineage tied back, you think potentially, you know, that your family could have took on an Italian name and could have been an indigenous family and came here as a, an Italian name family? Do you think that was a possibility? Um, it's not my, it's not my gut feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, but I always know that anything is possible. But, um, I can tell you this, when I went to Italy, and I went to her town, so Yes, we're from Naples, but the town that she came out of Naples was called Santa Lucia. Mm -hmm. And when I went to go see where 
the pharmacy stood because they owned the pharmacy. There was a restaurant there. They closed the year before. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you this. The minute I stepped foot in that area, I knew I was home. Mm -hmm. And I said to my wife, I said, I've been here before. I definitely come from this. Like, like I just knew that it was that it was part of who we were, that that lineage. So whether, you know, I also feel very connected to the, to the Egyptian times, but that was a past life that I had in those times. Mm -hmm. So that's why I feel connected to that. Because didn't the female goddess, is, is Isis, didn't she have a big Isis. influence? Did Isis have a big influence in Italy? Yeah, Isis had a big influence, period. And interestingly enough, of course, the, the Catholic religion uh, speaks to... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What people call the Blessed Mother or Mother Mary, right? So I grew up with, you know, knowing that energy and actually working with that energy now. But she is of the lineage of Isis, okay. the goddess. And so that I totally relate to and say absolutely um that that is definitely part of it but you know they were in jerusalem and all over the, that area but i i definitely can relate to that energy for sure because very my strong. very strong energy because my my dad uh family was from sarno and his mm -hmm. grandmother graham you know she had the rosary beads and yeah and i still have the I can show you the, the Catholic statue over here that I, I kept. And you can see the beads and oh yeah. The beads and Very familiar I kept with this. it. So this was like Graham. So now now you know, you see all the beads and stuff. Do you think the beads foundation could have came from that type of process with the Egyptians, you know, because if you look at some of this stuff and how it could have been translated, you know, mm -hmm. Mother Mary and all that kind of stuff, what do you what do you think about that translation? I'm going to tell you that they were very powerful energies, the Egyptians. They were very connected to the spirit world and they understood how to work with the spirit world. Because back then, if you think about it, how really were they going to make the pyramids that they made? Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have the equipment that we had today. So there they needed to use other ways to do that. And they definitely uh, connected to the spirit world to do that. So, yeah, I can believe that I can. You know, I can see that actually. I have the same type of blessed mother with the rosary beads around it right here. Mm -hmm. And so I, I can totally relate to that. And they're my grandmothers and my mothers. So the energy that comes off of that is, you know, Mother Mary, and people may not know this either, but Mary Magdalene was also a part of the Isis energy. Mm -hmm. And so 
whenever I connect to it, I am connecting to all of them mm -hmm. when I do my work. So um, fascinated by it. Read a lot of books on it. Love the Egyptian times. Feel very connected to it. Um, but I also feel, we spoke about this, I feel connected. We go all the way back to Lemuria, you know? Mm -hmm. And back then, you didn't need to speak. You used your mind. It was mm -hmm. telepathy. And that fascinates me now, too, when I do my work. I can actually telepathically speak to either animals, people, trees, whatever. And I can hear what they're saying or speaking back to me, you know, because everything is made of energy. Yeah. Why don't, why don't you think there's more of a, in the Italian culture, why don't you think there's more of a conversation about this? Because of Graham, my, you know, my dad's grandmother, I mean, she had some type of clairvoyancy as well. Yes. Yes. And, and, and these are conversations, even being around an Italian family myself, I never heard these types of conversations. Why do you think you never hear these types of stories? Because I, I feel like steeped too much in the fear of the religion, number one. And um, and I think that you know, at least in in, um, in my house, there was a lot of superstitions, you know. And so I think that's why there were no conversations around that. The only conversation that we ever had was when my grandmother actually witnessed, you know, had a, uh, an apparition of the Blessed Mother who came to her and she was dying and came to her and said that she was going to live and that she would raise her children. And she did. She lived till she was 95. Mm -hmm. She had a, a, a rare blood uh, thing that um, they needed to bring in medicine to, you know, to cure it. So she had that ability. And my other grandmother, my mother's mother, they considered her like she was the she was the one that took the headaches away from everyone. If someone came to her with a headache. She did this incantation and, you know, uh, there was oil involved and a couple of other things. And all of a sudden their headaches would be gone. You know, so there was there was some belief in it, you know, uh, but we just never spoke about it. And I really feel like it was because, you know, the the way they the, the fear, you know, around all of the religious, at least the Catholic religion, which I, I I left a long time ago because I just couldn't, I just kept what I felt comfortable with and the rest I left behind because mm -hmm. it, it just made no sense to me from when I was very young. Because I think Italians in a way have kind of the way they've ran their country, they've, they've kept their bloodline somewhat intact. And when yes. I say when I say intact is, you know, they don't, they don't let this non, non-GMO territory. They don't let these things of the Western environment into their system to, to dilute the people. Uh, oh. And I think there's something to be said about that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. They have one of the, um, oh, I, if I could just remember the name of the area, cause I researched this recently centennials, people living on hundred and over Sard Sardinia, I believe it is, is mm -hmm. one of the, one of the places in Italy where because they kept the traditions and the non-GMOs and the organic and you eat right off the land and you don't eat a lot of food at once, you know, and, and other things, you know, like uh, walking and, you know, uh, praying and having a community of people, they're living the longest, mm -hmm. you know, and that, they're not living sick. They're just yeah. dying of old age. We've left a lot of those practices in the Western culture here. We've, we've really, unfortunately, got off track with that. And with your, your family, how did that seed happen with your dad, you know, getting involved with the mob again, if it was, you know, in Italy, the grand, the grandfather, uh, or your great grandfather, right? Great grandfather. Yes. You know, how did, how did that seed happen in New York city for the family? Okay. So when, with that? when they, when they did come over, although my grandmother was wealthy there, she came here with nothing and she would not take any money from her family because she didn't feel right about it. So my 
grandfather was a jeweler. My grandmother became a seamstress. And they they basically lived, you know, with very little. Mm -hmm. So my dad growing up, he would be in the street playing, you know, with kids and, and all of that. By the time he turned around 14, you know, he started like running numbers because that's that's what they did there in New York and in the village. They needed to survive. So they did certain things um, and created certain groups in order to survive it. Right. Mm -hmm. And my dad got involved in that and he was you know, running numbers of 14. And then by the time he was 16 and started boxing, Vito Genovese took a huge, huge like just loved my dad. Mm -hmm. And he, my dad was very charismatic, but mm -hmm. Vito just loved him, took him under his wing, you know, put him in the boxing ring. And, and he did that for a while. But then Vito said, you know, I got I got other things for you. And he took him under his wing and then brought him into that life. Gotcha. And so that's how it began. And then it just snowballed after that. Now, the boxing world, did you did the family know the Duvas, Lou Duva? That's not familiar to me. My 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 older brothers and sisters might have known that because I don't forget the 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 one above me, the, the child above me is 10 years older. My oldest sister is 15 years older than me. Gotcha. So Oh, there's a big gap. So there may be things, some things that they know that I'm not aware of. Now your dad, they called him the chin, right? Yes. And his, his rival was kind of John Gotti, was it not? John Gotti was, um, my dad did, did not like the way he did business. And my dad was a very fair man. So this was not like, he wanted to keep the peace. That wasn't really it, you know, but you know, John, John wanted to do things his way. And my father, you know, was who he was. Um, but he also became what they called the head of the commission. So really nobody could do anything without getting my dad's permission. Okay. And, you know, John had his, had his own way of thinking. So, you know, he, he made decisions that were in that life would be considered a poor decision. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my father would be upset with that. He just wouldn't, it's just not, not cool. You know, you just, you don't do things like that. So he did not care for him. And unfortunately it, it became a rivalry in that sense. Now, did you ever hear the name Henry Hill? Yes. Now I had, this is kind of a un underground thing. It's just to give you an idea. My family was the Ginny Antasios, Ruffalo's Sopranos, mm -hmm. which they made. They, uh, David Chase was from North Caldwell. My family built North Caldwell and David Chase grew up in North Caldwell. So he actually wrote the show around my family and the Soprano house when we, we lived in North Cal Caldwell for 12 and a half years, Soprano house is about a mile away or whatever, but it was the NBC's Universal's house. But there's a story there where Henry Hill, going back to Henry Hill uh, in the Latanza Heights, this is what, this is kind of what I heard because we had Henry Hill's life. We tried to pitch Henry Hill's life rights after Goodfellas when he went into witness protection. Okay. So they wanted Henry Hill for the Latanza Heights, but then he was such a a talker, they said when he got started talking, he indicted, you know, 10 of the top capos in the Italian mafia, which mm -hmm. led to John Gotti's rise because John Gotti was a, a henchman, mm -hmm. right? Did that affect your dad in any way? It was my understanding they took Henry Hill in and he just started mm -hmm. talking about everybody, you know, and it caused a lot, a lot of problems for a lot of the leaders. It did not affect my dad in that way. No, he was already in his, you know, uh, it, he was already full blown in his act of, you know, uh, the insanity and schizophrenia and, and all of that. And he got he did that pretty early on. And so he was able to evade, you know, the FBI for a long time because of that. So, he, no, in that sense, no, it did not affect him. Did not affect him. Now, 
he had a very odd schedule, right? He would said he would come oh, yeah, up, of course. come up out of on Sullivan Street in a robe or whatever, and then he would get taken to a apartment uptown. Well, I mean, was your dad? Did he really have some mental issues, or some of it? Did he? You know, what what was the truth about that? You know, there were a lot of people question that in his pattern of life. He was sharp as a tack. Yeah, yeah, he was sharp as a tack. He was he was incredible incredibly smart. Um, and you know, he, he, he was very much of a contemplator, a thinker, he think he thought things through, he knew exactly what he needed to do mm-hmm. and, and he did it. And a, lo- and a lot of people don't realize too, the, the intelligence behind that. And I think sometimes someone can have great intelligence, but if they make a choice to go down this road, doesn't mean mm-hmm. they're a bad person. That's just the road they go down and they can't, sometimes they can't turn back. So you, Oh, there was definitely a point where he couldn't turn back. Yeah. He had yeah. one out and he decided to stay. Was there anything you ever wished for as a kid that you like, if something could have happened, is there something that you wish dad would have done different or got out? Was there ever that thought process of you wish dad would did something different just because of your life, your personal life? No, I wouldn't change anything because I am who I am today because of what happened or how it went. But what I would have wished for him is that he would have had more freedom for himself because he really didn't move other than through a five block radius unless he was going to a doctor's appointment or maybe he came out to visit us every once in a while. Um, But there was no real freedom, you know, uh, to his life. He didn't go on vacations. He went on one vacation with my mother when they got married and they went on their honeymoon to Florida, you know, for a month. That was the extent of, I would have liked him to experience life um, as a dad more, Mm -hmm. you know, as someone who could enjoy his children and experience them in a way that, you know, a father would like to, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was just, you know, it was just only so much he could give because he was giving to so many different areas of the life that there was just, you know, there was absolutely a limited amount of time. And there was times where I seen dad, uh, you know, as a dad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they were limited, but it would come out and uh, he'd come out of his character for a short period of time, especially he loved Elvis Presley. So he would get up and dance to Elvis and then and he had two left feet, but he did it anyway. So there were times where I could see my dad, you know, I, mm-hmm. I saw the man and then I would have to say 95% of the time he was, you know, Vince Giganti, the boss of the Genovese crime family, the head of the commission doing what he had to do to either keep peace, you know, keep the business going, whatever that was. And when you talk about as you grow you know, we talked about you as a kid and, you know, how did your life start to expand in the the spirit world? And was there an epiphany moment for you to really dive deeper into this, this world and try to figure out what, what you're all about? So with the, the epiphany, yes, there was an epiphany moment. It's just, for me, there were several of those moments. Okay. So I'd have to say when I was in my mid twenties and I was going to massage school, I knew from even before that, that I was experiencing things and I could, I could go into a supermarket and, you know, or, or or a store and I would feel energy in there and I can go in feeling fun and I would walk out feeling like crap, you know, and I didn't understand why. And then I realized, okay, there was something in there that didn't make me feel good. Right. So for me, when I started massage, I realized because once I put my hands on somebody, I was feeling what was going on in their bodies. Mm-hmm. And and that was the kind of light that went off that said, okay, something's going on here. There's an exchange of energy. And we were being taught that in 
school as well. There's an exchange of energy and, you know, you'll feel things and blah, blah, blah. But when you're an empath, now you're feeling things to the nth degree, we'll say. Okay. And so I was, I was feeling so much of it, so much of it. And then I was, you know, I would feel heat. I would feel cool. I would feel like a, a buzzing energy, um, depending on where I was putting my hands, then I would start to ask people questions about it and say, well, what's going on with your liver? Like I can feel the stagnation. I understand that, you know, I can see that it's overworking itself and, you know, and they would confirm things for me and confirm things. But I was then introduced to somebody that understood psychic abilities. Mm -hmm. Now, once I was introduced to that and I began to clear out my old familial energy for my body because there was so much trauma mm -hmm. that I experienced as a child, when that started to come out, I was able to bring more light into my body. The more light I brought into my body, the more sensitive I got. Gotcha. And then I started to realize, all right, I have other abilities. Like I know things and I don't know how I know them. That's called claircognizant. Um, then I began to see and hear. So methodically, I went through the life experiencing it a little bit, a little bit at a time. And it just grew over time. The more I cleared out, the more I could bring in of the spiritual, of, of light, of love, compassion. And then the spirit would say to me, okay, every day now you have to make sure you're grounded, you're scented, and you're protected before you work on anybody. Gotcha. And, so, and even till today, I have to do that. That's not something I could ever stop doing. Yeah. Now, do you, you said you were overwhelmed this weekend. What was going on? I did an interview very recently with the, uh, it was called Soft White Underbelly, the name of the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I had an overwhelmingly response that I am so grateful for. People were coming at me from all directions. It wasn't just email. It was, you know, Facebook. It was Messenger. It was uh Instagram, it was, you name it. I was getting messages and messages. Some people wanted to make appointments. Other people just wanted to ask questions or just comment that they loved it. And I'm that type of person that likes the one-on-one -on -one, um, as well as large groups, but I like the interaction. And so I always want to get back to the people that are connecting to me, myself, not have somebody else do it, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it was definitely overwhelming, um, but I'm loving it and I'm moving through it. And, uh, and I'm completely grateful because the more people I touch and can, you know, get my story uh, across to uh, the, and the, the more people I help, the more grateful I am, you know, because that really was the whole premise be behind me writing my book, uh, me doing these types of podcasts, mm -hmm. um, helping people move through their stuff, you know, maybe even helping them teach them how to deal with if they are empaths or if they're having abilities that they don't understand how to work with. Do you get any read from me? What spirit says to me is that you're, you are also very sensitive, mm -hmm. but you also have like my dad, you know, um, interesting, interestingly enough, there is all your right and your left side of your brain work equally. They tell me, uh, but you're learning more to work with your right side of the brain right now, which is the more intuitive side. And what does that, that mean? What so that, that mean? means that means whatever gifts you have, you're going to hone those gifts now, those psychic abilities, those gifts that you that you're experiencing and that you have. And even if you don't know you have them, it's coming. They're just telling they're telling me get ready. Oh really? They're telling you to get get ready. Yes. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, so I got a lot going on now. I mean, I got heat coming out of my hand. This hand, I can mm -hmm. give heat. 
hey, I can give energy out of this hand and people like I've been, if I focus in on it, I can like mm -hmm. put it on people's face or whatever and they can feel it. Yep. It's, absolutely. Uh, they want you to understand that when you give, you, you need to receive from spirit as you're giving so that you don't release any of your own energy. See, I had to learn that the hard way. I was just giving, mm -hmm. thinking that that's what I needed to do and not filling myself back up with spirit. So before I even work on somebody, I'm already filling myself up so that when I give it out, it's completely, I'm completely refilling that energy so that I'm not depleted at the end of it. How do you do that? I tap in. So I, I, you know, I can just sit, close my eyes. I can open up my crown chakra, which is here right above your head. I can imagine an angel. I can imagine Christ, Mary, whoever it is that I feel like connecting to, or just uh, even the sun. I've done it. You know, I've used the sun's energy or the moon's energy, and I just bring it through my crown and I bring it all the way through my body, right down to my feet. I ground myself in, or got to understand, you're using your imagination to do this. Your imagining is going on. It's happening because that's how you connect the spirit is through your imagination. So I imagine that then you have to close the crown. You have to make sure you close it so that the energy moves through you. Now, a lot of times, if I'm putting both my hands on somebody, I will continually bring the energy through my crown and down. And then I will have the, the, the grounding of the earth to help stable me, okay? If I'm just using one hand, then I can hold my other hand out. Let's say, can you see me like this? Mm -hmm. Up, and I'll have the energy come through my hand and into my body and fill me up that way. There's many ways to do it, and everybody does it a different way. What makes them feel comfortable? So they're telling they're telling you that whatever I got is going to even get more extreme. If you wanted to, because everybody has got free will, so they can't tell you, you know, this is what we want you to do. They can tell you these are, are gifts that are opening for you. Do you want to take it to the next level? When you have the agreement with them that you want to take it to the next level, look out because it's coming. Mm -hmm. That's what they're trying to say. Interesting. And and when you take on these, you know, sometimes I've dealt with taking on energies and do you feel like, I feel like sometimes people's, I see people in twos, right? Yes. It's like their inner child is speaking to me. So I hear one voice and then I see this other, like whatever wrapped around this, you know, inner You see child. the ego. Huh? Yeah. You see... You see the ego because the inner child is the purity of who we are, right? Yeah. We should always be connected to that. When yeah. you see the dichotomy of that, you're seeing the ego say, no, this is really who I am. And that's the false you, right? Yeah. So that's why you can see two sides of it. Now, when spirit began to teach me, they had to say to me, we need you to, to connect to your inner child. We need that piece of you to heal so that when you're working with others, there's a clear vision of who they are. There'll be a mirror image because you could see the child in them as you saw it in yourself. Whenever I see the child within somebody, I see the purity of who they are. So so anybody who, let's say they, you know, they're down on themselves and they don't feel good about themselves and they're judging themselves, well, I'm looking at the truth of who they are in the inner child. So mm -hmm. I can show them that side if mm -hmm. they if they really want to know. And do these answers come to you quick? Like I can talk to somebody and I see them for the first time. And if I think about it, I can tell them something about who they are immediately. Right. Like just. Yes. Just, it just comes from somewhere. Right. Oh, 100 percent. So when I was. You know, when I was being taught all of this, the first thing they had us do was let me let me tell you my process. Um, what I do now is I have a conversation with spirit like we're having now. Right. So let's just say I want to tune into somebody. So I sit down and I begin to talk about this person and say, spirit, OK, this is who I'm going to be working with now. You know, this is their name. You already know this, but I just want to 
connect now and and get some feeling about it give me some some knowledge of what i need to be doing and and all of that and then i close my eyes and within the first 15 seconds whatever i see or hear i write down because that is the clearest you're going to get in those first 15 seconds so then i write then i go back in and i close my eyes and i'll ask another question and again whatever comes first i write down and they always tell me do not question what you get. You give it, you let them process it. And that's how it goes. You don't worry about, oh my God, did I do this right? Did I do because I did that in the beginning, you know, when I when mm-hmm. I was first learning. And and I would apologize. I'm like, I don't know if that's true. I don't know. But now I just give what I get and I allow spirit to take over. So you really have to surrender to that piece. It makes it much easier to work with somebody when you know you're just the vehicle. Mm-hmm. You're just that conduit. And whatever's coming through you, that person needs to hear. By knowing that, it took a big load off of me a big load sometimes like i will i don't know i will have something comes over me or whatever and it could take me either way but i feel like there's like a couple days where i'll just feel like something's attacking me or something like that and i'll feel down but then i come out of it you know um and sometimes i'm a different person mm-hmm. right i i re- like i will i will turn on a dime like what, how did i just turn on a dime you know that's what i'm trying to stop you know from just you know going crazy or whatever you want to call it like getting upset quickly or whatever it may be you know trying to isolate those emotions what you know, because it's sometimes it's overwhelming high feeling that people mm-hmm. don't realize. I mean, what do you, did you have any experiences like that where you just spun out and didn't realize it kind of thing? Oh, sure. Um, we all experience that, especially when we're moving through a process where we're clearing. Um, because the body, when the body and the emotions and the, the mental energy needs to clear of negativity, you're left vulnerable and open. Sometimes a lower vibrational energy will hook onto you when you're that vulnerable. And if that happens, that's why you feel like, boom, you can change on a dime because you're experiencing that negative energy. Mm-hmm. And then you have to you, you have to release it. You know, it's not yours. You just have to release it. So I'm very aware of when I'm working, especially when I'm when I'm open and I'm working with spirit um, to help somebody, I'm very aware that I ha- that I'm I'm sensitive, and so I have to be clear to spirit that no, absolutely no lower vibrational energies are allowed in my energy at any point when I'm working. Now, if I feel if I'm not working and I feel that negativity, I know exactly now how to release it and get it, you know, get it out of me. We'll say I, I, even if it's just surrounding me, it doesn't have to be in me, but just surrounding me. We've been on here a minute, and we've I think we've had a great conversation. Yes, I'm enjoying life. It. Yeah, your current life. You married, kids. What What do you have going on around this? You know, this world of Rita. I'm married to my beautiful wife. Um, she is a nurse. She is my uh, my biggest supporter, as I am hers. We have a son. She had she had a son from a previous marriage, but he's my stepson. But he's my son because I feel extremely connected to him. Mm-hmm. And he's about to have um, his own child. So we're becoming grandmothers um, in a very short time. And, you know, we, her and I met, believe it or not, we went to school together, but we didn't know each other in school. She was two years ahead of me. And we met organically. She came to a mediumship that I was doing at my mother's house. And we had a mutual friend mm-hmm. and she was invited. And the night I met her, I knew immediately our eyes locked and I 
I knew if nothing else, we'd be working together one day. And I remember saying that to her. And from that moment on, we've been connected. And that was in 2007. And she also has abilities. Um, she oh, just doesn't use them the way I do. Now, what are they opposite abilities as you? Do they connect opposite, you know, connect differently? She's not an empath like me, but she does have extremely good instincts and she can see and she can hear, but she doesn't use it as much um, as as I do. But sometimes she'll come to me and she says, Ray, I, I just got this. She says, I, I need you to I need you to tell me if, if what I'm you know experiencing and we'll go through and we'll sit and talk about it and all that. And she's very much into astrology, which I love. She's a moon baby. She loves loves to be out in the moon and um, Scorpio and you know, she's grounding, extremely grounding. Um, she's an earth energy and fire because I'm Leo rising. So, you know, she grounds my energy and I'm grateful. And this is the last little last subject is bloodline. And I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you. And sometimes I don't like to say it or mention it, but it sounds crazy um, to say something like this. But my Reiki master, and I have a theory just to touch on Reiki. I, I think that people have abilities. I think things like Reiki or whatever, or maybe set up for people that have abilities to go to. Mm -hmm. uh, I just want to preface that because I don't think, I think it's like a club, right? You get into, but then when you think about bloodline, my, my Reiki master told me that uh, she was told my bloodline was from John the Baptist. And the rationale was, you know, I started trying to rationale this is that she believes that the Cherokee Indians were one of the original tribes from Israel because their language is very similar to Hebrew, right? And now we're, you know, when I had that theory about the Egyptians, the Egyptians are the indigenous people, you know, in Italy, and, and we're finding in, in part of the world where part of my family's from in Western North Carolina and Eastern Tennessee, they found hmm. a pyramid in the bottom of the Klitsch River. And there's a lot of different things happening in that area, which of where I'm from. What do you think about bloodline after the great flood there's been a battle for the bloodline and the hebrew i was told that the hebrew bloodline was the bloodline that is you know the dark can't mess with and if you think about history that's what we people some entity dark entity's been trying to eliminate just by a pattern you see uh even today is there a thought process about that i mean do you ever that ever come across your your plate of any way or anything quite honestly no um they've never discussed quote unquote bloodline with me. What they do explain to me is that although we come from all different walks of life, we are all one. Whether we come from the Hebrew bloodline or, you know, it, it makes no difference. We we still are all one. We're trying to get back to that place where we truly know and understand that where it doesn't matter where you come from, you're still a brother or a sister to each other. And I'm, I'm just using, you know, those those words to describe that we're all one and the same. You know, we have differences, we, we have different likes, we have differences and color and shape and size, but we're still all one and we still have to learn that nobody's any better than the next. We're just learning at different levels. In my learning of all of this, none of that matters in the end because we're all in spirit. It is all one, you know, there's, there's nothing. Now, are there dark entities? Are there lower vibrational energies? However you want to describe it. Yes, there are. Of course, in order to know the light, there was darkness, right? But there will come a time where we won't need that any longer and it'll just be love. It'll just be light. It may not be in our lifetime, 
but it will come if we are smart enough to move in that direction, which we are already. And we do have a lot of help from the other side and even extraterrestrials. I know people are, when they hear ETs, they think, you know, oh my God, but no, there are energies, good energies, light energies that are trying to help us from all over the universe uh, to get us to a place where we understand that we are truly connected just by being. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with anything else. We are all connected to that source energy. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Definitely source. I'm all about foundation and source. There's a lot of words I repeat because I've, I've created a process called finding a perfect audience, which I think is linear to it everything and anybody. And I'm using content to describe this process, but it could be related to life. And that's when you talk about, I'll just go over this real fast. Three phases, right, of this concept. First phase is environment, foundation, sensitivities, right? You know, understanding your environment, creating the right foundation, right? Which will create the sensitivities, which is sensitivities. Second phase is tone, tone and timing. The sensitivities create the the tone of how you communicate, the timing is choice, how you communicate. And then here's the here's the caveat we all need to look at is phase three is emotions and landscape. So whatever you do in life, if you take the emotional part and you isolate that and you see it out front, when you have emotional responses from, from internally or outside that don't have any knee-jerk reactions, isolate that, digest it, use that as your micro fixes. This is improving the content so forth or improving your life. And then the last thing is landscape. When you get to a point in life and you've been, you've built your life the right way, you have full functionality at some point. Right. And I'm doing this with social media. We're a meta media partner and it's an oddity, but I will send you the book when we finish to see if that can relate. And then leaving this, ask this, right? If God created the Hebrew bloodline, could that Hebrew bloodline be diluted or infiltrated by an outside source that's causing us these problems today? Um, I think we can all be influenced by a negative source because of the ego. Um, and that's why I tell people we have to learn to drop into our heart center and a healthy ego is fantastic. But when we have the ego running the show or and or when we have not um, cleared away the subconscious negative thought patterns that we grew up with, then yes, we could connect to a lot of negative energies or entities. But that is why I do the work that I do, because I try to help people get to the bottom of their stuff so that they can release it, um, whether it's in the subconscious or and it, it always is. Subconscious is running your life 95% of the time. Um, so if you have negative belief systems about yourself, you know, we need to get to the bottom of that and, and help you release that so that you can move forward. Um, and that then will shift the ego uh, to a healthier place. So yeah, we can, anybody can be connected, or I should say infiltrated, like you said, uh, by a negative source. So light workers like ourselves are here to help people, you know, remedy that. But we have to go through that process too. You know? Yeah. And I, and I agree Absolutely. with you hundred percent. Nobody, nobody was anything. It's funny. You talked about the telepathy. Nobody, if you think about it from that foundation of telepathy, communicating by telepathy, telepathy, nobody was anything until they created the word. Right. Exactly. Think about that. Yeah, So exactly. So we, we came here to learn about ourselves. That's for sure. And it's, it's been an incredible journey for me. And this is an incredible time. This is unprecedented presented in this lifetime, what we are experiencing as humans here. We're realizing that, you know, this is just, you know, we pick these bodies, but we're spiritual beings having a, you know, 
an experience uh, in this life, but it's, we are learning so, so much at this point, and we're, we're going to continue to learn it as long as we move in a positive direction. I really feel like even in 10 years, you're going to see the shift more nice. than any other time. Nice. Well, it's a great conversation, Rita. And I, I'm not going to oh, take I up. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't take up much more of your, your Sunday, but very enjoyable, very easy to talk to. I felt like we've, we've probably known each other somewhere down the road. Definitely. Definitely feel that. <laughs> Arthur, medium, Miss Rita Gigante, and I'm John Edmonds Cosma, the CEO of Bang Productions. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 